Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello there. Welcome along to the podcast Sport and Life. How are you? Welcome to another week, December the 13th. Hope things are going well in your preparations for Christmas. COVID-19 pandemic notwithstanding as ever, but really appreciate hitting on the button. Thank you. Thank you as ever to the sponsors of the podcast, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. And this podcast coming up was actually recorded at Bang Olufsen's wonderful store, Bong? Bang, Bang Olufsen's wonderful store in Montpellier in the courtyard there. But of course, if you're a little bit remote from Cheltenham here in the west of England, you can check out the store. I know they service people around the country, actually, particularly of ex-footballers, apparently, and different uh, sort of celebrities and uh, and lay people alike. But if you go to uh, Bangalofson of Cheltenham website online, there's a Facebook page as well, BNO underscore Cheltenham on Instagram, social media, you get numbers for the team headed by the uh, masterful maverick himself, Jason Briggs who uh, sort of was there for the recording of the upcoming podcast. But he's a good man and can uh, steer you in the right direction. And remember, through Serene AV as well, they can source you the best equipment to suit your vision, your budget, whatever ideas you have. It's not necessarily tied to Bang Olufsen's wonderful equipment. Although if you are in Cheltenham, worth checking out the store where we recorded the podcast, some fantastic equipment, and Jason's very knowledgeable, and his team indeed, if uh, if Jason's not around. Uh, but thank you for their support. Really appreciate it. Over a year and a half now, and it's been big during the, the pandemic era to have their backing. Also, thank you to Cytoplan for their association with the podcast. Now, Cytoplan is a food-based supplement company, which means that they devise supplements produce supplements which are basically processed in the body as food would be or as close as possible to it you can find out more at cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk we've taken the supplements as a family the drapers for 20 years plus my father who we still pay for the supplements always stress that albeit at discount rate but my father's worked as a consultant helped design some of the supplements particularly his area of interest is micronutrition trace elements in particular like zinc and selenium and he's uh, very much an advocate of, of supplementing them because of the uh, the state of the uk soil after what thousands millennia of farming back to the roman era and, and particularly mass industrial farming he believes left the soil quite deplete in the uk we take a multivitamin vitamin you may call it from cytoplan called immune complete immune complete two for for men which doesn't have the iron in Immune Complete One for Women or Foundation Formula is another holistic supplement. But of course, they offer bespoke supplementation if you're in the winter like we are. The sun's trying to get out today as we head towards the shortest day. I think it's December 22nd, isn't it, in the UK where it gets light around 8.30 in the morning, dark around 4. So it's not it's not very much uh, opportunity to get vitamin D3. So you may be looking at that and you can get all the bespoke supplementation, vitamin C as well, maybe to boost your immunity over the winter at cytoplan.co.uk and at checkout the discount associated with the podcast is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r that's it all capital letters so draper and then the numerals one zero and then the capital letter r so it's a draper10r right uh bear with me this is a fantastic podcast coming up hope you really enjoy it particularly if you're a cheltenham town fan or maybe you have affiliations with michael duff who's a northern ireland football fan he was a northern ireland international played in the premier league played all as eight levels up to the top level in england arguably biggest uh, league in the world and he's now manager at cheltenham town football club led them from the fourth tier of english football as champions for the first time in their history last year making a pretty good fist of things in league one although we did record this podcast before they were humbled five nil to cambridge united they recovered with a draw against lincoln so at the time of recording they were 12th i think cheltenham are now 14th People may correct that. depends on what time you listen to it. But I think it's just really fascinating here in terms of moving up levels. And we could all empathize with that in life when we get a promotion, a new job maybe, maybe go up in our studies to a, a master's level or a PhD level. It's kind of like that imposter syndrome and how you foster belief 
first and foremost that you deserve to be at that level. So really interesting, the psychology of it with the one and only Michael Duff. Hope you enjoy this one. Michael Duff, great to see you again. Here we are in the uh, hallowed turf of Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham, sponsors of the podcast out of of Cheltenham Town. It's good to be here. I'm just worried we're going to sort of uh, turn away too much business if we if we stay too long. But I oh, know it's quite comfortable. It's yeah, a lot better than my front room. I know that. It's very it's very nice. But how um how are tricks? It's good to see you because we spoke pre-season, didn't we, about all the objectives, thoughts on on League One. But it's gone pretty well at the time of speaking, and this will go out probably in the next week or so. But at the time of speaking, halfway in League One, twelfth. Yeah, uh, not quite halfway, but obviously. Well, halfway in the table. Oh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, four four games and we'll be halfway. So I think there isn't a person associated with the football club that wouldn't take where we are now, I don't think. I think it'd be greedy or maybe a little bit foolhardy to... to, You always want more, but I just think you've got to accept where we are. Mm. Um, And it's it's been tough. We've had a few punches on the nose, but that's part of learning a, a new league. A lot of the players haven't played at this level. Mm. So that's the thing. The, the the thing we said when I spoke to you last, I think it was, can we be competitive? Yeah. And the one thing we've definitely been is is competitive, and we've we've picked up some good results along the way as well. So, um, yeah. In answer to your question, it's been a, a promising start. Them not playing in in League One before. I'm uh, just in the middle of putting my phone on to do not disturb. But that's it's interesting because um, of the fact that they have to have the belief to be in, in League One. Some of them will have had experiences, obviously, at bigger clubs in the past. I know. Will Boyle played at Kilmarnock, didn't he, in, in Scotland? How you can, there'll be a controversy about how you compare that level mm. to to the to the English football. But is how much is that what you say to them, or how much is that what they do, and then come back after a game and think, oh, I, des- I deserve to be at this level? Probably what what they do. You yeah, know, work talks cheap, um, but they worked hard last year for this experience. So it's just reminded them sometimes how hard last year was. Yeah, to get into this league and the new challenges and some, some of the grounds we've already been to. Um, are amazing and we're playing against bigger teams and players that have played at a much higher level and as the game sort of ticked along the confidence grows within the group because they're like well it's not it's not all that it's not a completely different level mm. it's we, we can definitely compete here we're good enough it's so football. yeah exactly that so it's 11 v 11 um we have to turn up in terms of mentally sometimes we've had a couple of games where we've not quite switched on and for whatever reason they just don't turn up um and we've been beaten heavily, um, but they're sometimes they're a, they're horrible at the time. But they're a good reminder of yeah. how far we've come. But how you just can't turn up and think, oh, we're, we've arrived now, we're good enough, because it, it does tell you quickly that no, it doesn't work like that. It must be powerful having you as the head coach. I'm not blowing smoke up your your backside, but the fact that you'd gone the eight levels up to the, the Premier League to mention the stat we always do when we we talk. But what was it psychologically that you did? Beforehand, because we all have that imposter syndrome, don't we? I remember I was talking, chatting to, to Jason Briggs, the uh, proprietor here at Bang Olufsen, about even that thing when you were, you know, when you're at school and you're in year eleven, and you look at the sixth formers and think, God, I look so old. How could you be? And you never felt ready to be a sixth former when you, when it came, you still felt young. And, and, and any levels in life we go up, we're always unsure. What did you? Is it? Is it rather than thinking complicated about what you need to do? Is it? Is it boiling it down more and more simple at every level you go up? Um, <laughs> probably simple is the right word. Yeah, I didn't overthink it. Yeah, I think. Well, this, I know the strongest attribute I had as a as a player was my mentality. Yeah. So I didn't worry too much about just just to focus on just give him a, give him my best. Mm-hmm. And it sounds really cliche, but that's generally what it was. It didn't matter whether it's head tennis or table tennis or I wanted to win. Yeah. And luckily, I, I joined the club in Cheltenham that at the time no one knew it was about to go on a move. Mm. And as I was improving, the club were going through the levels with me. So I was luck. That was a lot a lot of luck in terms of that. But no, I never had the am I good enough to be here. Yeah. Um, probably the only one you did maybe think that is when you do get to the Premier League and you're walking out at Old Trafford playing against, I don't know, Wayne Rooney and Berbatov up front and you're thinking, <laughs> all right, well, I might be out of my depth a little bit now. But, but physically, you come up against, you'll come up against quick players, but when you go to the upper levels, they have speed, but then they have intelligence and skill as well, don't they? Is that how you have to adapt? Do you give people more space as a defender? It's, when the, 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 it's basically your margins are smaller. Mm. So it's instead of being half a second, it's milliseconds, and just they can do all parts of the game. So players in League Two are mainly at League Two for a reason. It's either some, it might be a mentality, it might be a physicality, it might be a lack of technical ability. Mm. At that level, they can do it all. So you come up against someone you think, well, he's quicker than me, 
oh well I'll just drop off well if you drop off he'll turn and he'll take you on that way yeah or you can or if he's a big a big fella in league two a big centre forward for example you might well we can squeeze him up the pitch and deny him space mm. but the top level if you leave space in behind they can normally run in behind as well so it's it the, the margins are just you make one mistake I think the, the, the best one I'm trying to sum up in a, a more clear way I'll use the, the Man United game for example so quite mm. This happened a lot in the Premier League. How'd Man United Burnley, what the one 0 Yeah, win? no, we lost. We lost three 0 at Man United, and it's, everyone said, "How did you do?" I said, "We, we played really well." Mm. How'd you get on? We lost three yeah. 0 and that happened a lot because they let you have the ball. Yeah. So they almost suck you in. So well, well, we're not a bad team here, and then all of a sudden, bang, bang, it's two 0 And you're thinking, "Well, I, I thought I've been playing quite well," <laughs> but it, it happens that quickly. What era was that? United. What? That was. Uh, was that Ferguson still. I'm trying to think. It would have been, yeah. It was uh, 2010, I think it was. Okay. But, um, and that was when Rooney was in his pomp. That was our first yeah. year. That was, uh, with Burnley, that was our yeah. first year in the Premier League. Because so. you beat United as well, didn't you? Yeah, we beat that in that season. We beat them at home. Yeah. Uh, but it was our first home game of the season. We beat them 1 0. Um, but that was just pure sort of the emotion, the elation of getting promoted the year before. We just managed to carry it on. And mm. in Owen Coyle, we had a, mo- a manager that made everybody feel 10 feel tall. Yeah. One thing he was, he was a, he was a brilliant motivator. Um, did you take that from him? He learned from all of them. Mm. So in terms of, we didn't do any shape, we didn't do any set plays. <laughs> no, it was just, it was five sides every day. But he'd make you feel temp. He, he made us believe that we were actually as good as Man United. Yeah. Um, now, how, how, what, what component is the tactics versus the psychology, do you think? Because people say it's 75% of elite sport is how you feel, how you, your mindset is. Yeah, well, I think um, that's why I like going into other sports in terms of my learning now. Mm. I like going into and, and watching other sports because if you go into a football club, 95, 96 of it's going to be the same. It's very rarely you're going to walk into a football club and it's going to blow you, blow you away with a training session that they've done. Or the, it's pretty simple. Like, I think supporters sometimes think you know, the, the half-time team talks are all sort of yeah. Chichillian speeches and things like that. They're not. Um, but you can learn from other sports be, because of the, men, the mental side of the game and, yeah. and, and how they approach different things. and. Um, you know, we, we, you compare Coily to Deitchie in terms of personality, completely different, but they were both successful. Mm. Now Deitchie's proved that he's been successful over a uh, sustained period of time, which is probably where the, the Coily one fell down a little bit because at some point you have to have a little bit more structure to what you were doing. Mm. Um, but to be fair to him, he left us mid-table in the Premier League to go to another Premier League club. So Get to Bolton. At the time. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So that shows you within ten years we we just played we just got promoted with Bolton in League Two. So it shows you how far <laughs> they've fallen. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just it's learning from all of them. There's lots of things that you remember. I've got Wade Elliott, who played under Coyley as well. And sometimes we say, God, he's, he almost used to Connors. We look back now and go, we actually believed him. We actually thought we were that good. But that's <laughs> that's that's genius in itself that yeah. we didn't even know he was making us feel like that. Um, then obviously. You know, people like Steve Cottrell, Eddie Howe, Sean Dyche, do it all completely different. So you try and, everyone says the same thing, but you do try and take little bits that, how how do, how did he make us feel like that? We've got to try and make our feel, our players feel like that sometimes. And not all the time, but I like a little bit more framework and a bit structure to it as well. And you beat Steve Cottrell, didn't you? Shrewsbury manager, and I'm not beat Steve Cottrell, but you beat the team. And he, Obviously, one of your, I guess, mentors when you're a player, what was that experience like? Obviously, it's good to see him well after his, his COVID struggles. Well, yeah, first and foremost, it was nice to see him on the touchline. Mm. Um, yeah, there, <coughs> excuse me, there was a big... Um, <coughs> coffee went down There was a big thing made of it just because of our history in terms of I got into the team at 17, 18. Master and the Apprentice kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They, they tried to drum it up like that. And I, and I thought it might feel a little bit weird, but it didn't because as soon as the whistle blows, you just want to win. Yeah. So I'm not looking onto the other dugout going, oh, well, I hope the lads win because I want to beat him. It doesn't matter who stood in the opposite dugout. You want to beat them, mm-hmm. um, and then it was so it was it was nice to see him. We had a, luckily he came the week before. We played the week before, so I saw him in the boardroom for about forty minutes. Then oh nice. So it sort of took the weirdness away of. Does he still live in Bristol or around here? No, or? I think he's still based in Bristol. Okay. Um, obviously, he probably stays a couple of nights a week up at, up at Shrewsbury. But it was nice to get all that sort of awkwardness and the weirdness, knowing that the game's coming, that we could get all the chats out of the way, and then. Match day, it was just just a normal game. It yeah. was just my team against his team, and luckily we won. Obviously, they had a man sent off, um, which probably helped us. But I think we have good value for it in the end. What did you get from Steve Cottrell? Do you think when you look back at it? 
in terms of his his style, his his knowledge? Um, he was driven, mm. um, and similar to myself in terms of, and he could. He was a good coach. He could pick, definitely pick a player. He could set up tactically really, really, really astute. You know, he, he could see something in a game that, and he'd just move somebody five yards and all of a sudden the game would change. So things like that have been, um, he's been really good. And you look at the career he's had. Mm. He's managed a lot, of, a lot of games and a really good level as well. So And he took me to Burnley as well. So I've got a hell of a lot to thank him for. Um, and the two people that I fear of repeating it, it's, it, it would be him and Sean Dyche. Now Dyche is slightly different because I, I went to him when I was older. Mm. So I, st- I speak to Dyche more, mm. um, but that's more because you were a fully formed man at that time. Well, I was. Yeah, I think I was thirty-three when he walked in the door. Wow! So I played for him for five years, and then I, I worked under him for two years. So there's, I was I was me as I am now as a manager, a lot and a lot older with kids. There was when I first met Cots, I was seventeen. Mm. I worked with him till I was about twenty-eight. So it was sort of slightly different person. Yeah. Have you have you spoken to Sean Dyche about how you stand in a snowstorm in just a white shirt and get away with it? Have you seen those pictures? Yeah, yeah, what did I've you make of that? that? It's just typical him, isn't it? It's it? it brilliant because he was saying, wasn't he? Said after the game, he said there was a sort of conspiracy theory that the game had been postponed. I think it was against Manchester City, wasn't it? Because he'd been his uh, shirt, him, his shirt had been glaring, yeah, glaring against the uh, the white snow or something. Uh, but he's just he no, just stood there with a big smile on his face at the side of the pitch. And I was thinking, well, I'd be blue by now. He's, he's, no, he's no frills. He probably knew what he was doing. He's, he's, he's cute. Was he in the sauna that. beforehand to get his body temperature up? <laughs> he probably had 15 underarmers on underneath his shirt or something. Um, but no, that's, that, that is what he is. There's no frills. Yeah. Um, but there is a message to play toughness, isn't there, a little bit, if you do that? Yeah. Well, he's... Um, he has a saying, and it's, he's trying to say it without... It's, it's no BS. The, he, he, so basically, he manages to de BS mm. footballers, which is hard because they've all got big egos, and at the level they're working at now, mm. you know, you see them coming out now, and you see them with the snoods up to their eyes, and they're literally they look like burkers. <laughs> yeah, and it's like they're Probably not, helped they're, in the mask era. Well, I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> well, but sometimes you look at Premier League players and they're warming up, and it's like they look they look they don't want to be anywhere else but on the pitch. Yes. Whereas that sort of message that that will be a message to the players. So just get on with it, lads. Yeah, just crack on. It's, it's it's a little bit of cold. Don't overthink it. Just go and play football. That's what you're paid for, and it's not that simple to do that with Premier League players. But that's sort of a mini sort of ver- that's that's what he does. Yeah. Um, you go you walk around the training ground at Burnley, and it's the imprint is all him. Mm. And I know they're, they're struggling this year uh, points wise, but the fact that I think they're in their sixth, pre- I think well they haven't come out of the Premier League since I retired, so I've retired. Yeah, this is their sixth season mm. consecutively in the Premier League. They're not for, getting thrashed either, are they? They're, they're quite close nah, games. And, and, but the finances, the resources that they've had to compete, the, the wages that they can pay, is, it's amazing. Now, people take it for granted now mm. that they think, oh, well, Burnley should be going up the leagues. It's like they're unbelievable to stay in the league. And they won't panic. They've been in this position before. I think three years ago, they were in a similar sort of position, then finished the second half of the season really strongly mm. with the same group. So I'm sure... There'll be a slight concern there, but I don't think there'll be any panic. How do you handle that tension, actually, as you say, that you want the players to grow in confidence, to have the identity of a, a League One player or for Burnley be Premier League player? How do you then manage the, the result and, I suppose, spike in ego that you can get with that, which then comes along with, you say, budgets, things like that. I want an extra whatever on my salary, or I'm going to leave because I am a League One player now and Cheltenham's budget is relatively small or Burnley's budget is relatively small. How do you go around that process? Because you don't want to diminish them if their ego's flaring a little bit do you but you need to keep it in perspective I suppose I think that's part of the challenge and that's probably part of my learning so mm. at the minute we're we're always the underdog so if you end up going to another club where you're expected to win every week it's probably a different type of challenge mm. but in terms of our lads there's it's just keeping the ego in check um, don't don't let it become about you mm. the, the 11 that are on the pitch are always the most important at any one time so you know, I don't care who they are I've got no there's no preference to me. I just want that team to win. So if you're in the team, you're out the team. The moment you make it just about you, you're taken away from the team. Mm. They all enjoyed winning the league last year, and they're all got champions, winners' medals. Yeah. Whether they played all the games or none, or, or none of the games, because they all had a part to play. So, well, if it was good enough last year, and, and like you say, egos do kick in, and people want more money and all things like that, and it's just keeping them aligned. Mm. And if someone steps out a line to a point, you've got to remove them. Yeah. 
because if it starts affecting the team, that affects everybody. Mm. So I say it all the time, it's, you know, they all get a win bonus, um, they all got champions medals and they, they'll have all enjoyed that. And it's mm. like, right, well, don't let your ego get in the way of more success. Um, and at the minute, they've, they've been aligned, they've been good. There's, you have your moment, but that's, that's, human, that's human life. As, mm. as long as it's just a moment, and it's like, no, okay, yeah, I need to, uh, I was out of order there. And, you know, contracts, there's, there's always agendas. Mm. You get to this stage of the season now, we're halfway through the season and people are out of contract. You've got 18-year-olds, you've got 35-year-olds and they've all got their own lives. They're all their own, they're all self-employed footballers. Mm. You know, they're in charge of their own careers. Are they taxed, they're taxed at source, are they, each week? Period? Yeah, the club, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Not to get too, too detailed in it, <laughs> you can tell I've been through, know, tell but, been through this experience, yeah. 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 But um, yeah, they, they they need they need the team to succeed for them to achieve. Yeah, but you've got so you've, you'll, you'll have empathy as a footballer and as a human being about the, the realities because we talk about Premier League and I think there's a mantra in society which may not always help us of more money is better. So whatever line of work we're in, we think we'll go there because it's more money. And I think sometimes there's more variables than that. But I suppose the level you're operating at, particularly with the budget, Cheltenham, it could be a life changing move, couldn't it, for a, for a player in terms of setting themselves up post playing if they can earn. I don't know, double what they're getting at Cheltenham. As you say, they're 29, 30, 31 in that area. And that sort of similar situation with Ben Tozer, wasn't it? How did that all play out? Because he's obviously gone down a couple of divisions to get better remunerated. Well, yeah, exactly that. It's, so that's, but that's off the base of last year's success. Yeah. So it's a good message to the players. So he's mm. 32 years old. They've offered him a three-year deal on more than double that he was on at our place. So when it, when it comes about, he's like, oh, I've got to go. I, mm. I understand that you've got to go, but... We need to get paid for it as well. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, we got the money that we wanted, good money for a 32-year-old, um, and he got his move. Do you the player has to factor in their own age in that? Is it significant that they look at it? It's a short career, isn't it? If you're 25, is it a different decision? Because you're thinking, I could get more money outside of Cheltenham, but actually this is an ambitious club doing really well. I'm better off staying here. I'm happy. I'm playing football in the long term. Because that's sometimes we play the short-term, long-term game, don't we? Whereas in football, the long-term is, is what everyone else's career is short-term because five years is a long time. I think it's down to the individual. Um, but a th at this level, very rarely three-year contracts are given out. Mm. So it's the security behind that at 32. It's going to take him to 35 guaranteed X amount of money, mm. which is very, very good money. So you can't, you can't um, begrudge him that. Yeah. You know, he's got a young family. He's got two young kids. And ultimately... He needs to look after his family. Like I said they're all their own individual um, companies. But the message to our lads is, well, he's only got that based off last year's success. Yeah, and so the, things like the FA Cup match against City being on national TV. Raising and profiles and, and all things like that. So we have to keep winning as a team for any one of the individuals to, to maybe get plucked out of it. Mm. So that's, that is, and it always has been the message, that the, the team are always more important. It's not about me. You know, the moment a player makes it about me and you, mm was distracted from the team. Yeah. So I don't shake a player's hand when, I, when they come off the pitch. I don't know whether I've told you this before, but the reason why I do it, and the players get told this as well, it's not that I don't respect them, but when you sub a player, a lot of, some of the time, if, if they disagree with it, their ego's going to kick in. You kind of want them to disagree, don't you? Typically. Exactly. Yeah. But you don't want it to come to a point where just come off the pitch. You don't want a scene. So... Th how many times do you see a manager, the player's not happy, manager goes to shake his hand, then he throws his hand away. <laughs> he's made it all about you and the manager. Yeah. I said, well, there's a game going on. Yeah. So I just say, well done, sit down. And if we want an argument or anything, we'll do that in the office. Yeah. So it's not about, you're not distracting from the 11 on the pitch. And the players know that as well. It's not, it's not, um, it's not personal. It's not. So it's, it's consistent. Not, it's keeping a consistency yeah, of exactly conduct. That. They, they know exactly what's happening. When they get subbed, I'll say well done, but I won't I'll walk over to them and, and shake. But if they get sent off, I wouldn't do the same thing either. Mm. So it's like, well, let's just park it up. Let's concentrate on the 11, whoever they are at that moment in time, and then we'll pick it up afterwards. But you, you'll, you'll have empathy for the players as well because you're in the same situation. We've talked about the opportunity to, to grow and aspire to, to another opportunity if it, if it comes up. But for you, I suppose, you must be factoring in things not only related to salary, particularly in management world, because you can't just go based on a, a salary package, can you? There's a lot more to consider. It seems that you're biding your time for, for an opportunity that's right all round, which is difficult in management because you're usually coming into a crisis situation. It's, yeah, well, I'm, I'm the same. I want to go manage as high as I can. Hmm. And I, I, I don't think I'm being disrespectful. Well, I'm not being disrespectful to the club. The club know that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to jump at the first opportunity. Hmm. It means that the team have to keep doing well. 
the team have to keep doing well, otherwise I don't get my opportunity. Yeah. So it's it's factoring all those things of uh, lifestyle, location, type of club, where am I going to have to live in terms of like the family set up and mm. all things like that. So they're all things you factor in. The players are the same. Are you going to move to the other end of the country for another 300 quid a week? I don't know. Some players might. Some players won't. If they're 18 maybe or 21. Exactly yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So stage of career, um, all those things that you need to factor in. But ultimately, the things that we're talking about is because we're going quite well at the minute. Mm. If we were bottom of the league, no one would be talking about any of our players moving on no. or me moving on. So the key is, don't look for, too far down the line because you'll trip up what's right in front of you. But it's funny people say to me at Sky Sports almost, I think what it's come to the attention now that how well Cheltenham's doing. It's, oh, you know, how come Michael Duff's still there? And people say they're surprised you're still there. Do you, do you entertain questions like that? What do you say to people who say I that? Don't, I don't deal with hypothetical questions. No. Because it's what if, it's, well, what if I walk out the walk out the shop now and get hit by a bus so I don't I, I try and concentrate on the things I'm, I'm in control of but it's a good it sounds like it's a good place to work we, we've got a good environment there's no, no no doubt about that we um, and that again that's something that you might factor in with players mm. so for the sake of an extra a couple of hundred quid a week you want to go and work somewhere where you're not going to enjoy it yeah you know that's that's the thing because what the players know now they know exactly what they're going to get mm. I think I'd I don't think I'm being big-headed when I say that it's a really good working environment. They all seem to enjoy coming into work. We've got a really good group, which is that's the one thing we've managed to keep quite over two or three years because the, the player turnover has grown a little bit. Mm. So to keep that good group and still have the good group um, is important. So again, they're all things that to players got to factor in. Have a, have, a, have a sip of coffee, by all means. But it's interesting, we spoke to Reg Varney on the podcast recently. He's transitioning into being a fitness coach and he was just talking about how he wants to come back to Cheltenham to watch some games, how he's still in touch with the leadership team, how much it meant to him. And for someone who's had a career like that and been up in the Premier League and saying how much Cheltenham still means to him and that experience at the tail end of his career is it, powerful. It's powerful listening to that. I'm sure it's a great tribute to you. And I, I was reading in, the, I think, the irishnews.com website about the dissertation you've been doing on managing stress. How has that? How has that been in particular? Because when we go up levels in life, we expect we almost have this psychology of I need to work more, I need to work harder. How have you managed to balance that, and how much does the dissertation help you balance that? Because actually, there's only so much work we can do to be effective. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, the football diploma, mm. um, so it's run out of Liverpool University. So it's that, that's just one part of it. I think there's seven, six or seven parts you need to do, but it does. I think what this course is teaching me is you're actually doing quite a lot of it. You just don't know you're actually doing it. Mm. So it's just sort of like logging it all in terms of oh well neat that is important that is it so you've had to write about a stressful time mm. that was the, that was the dissertation so my first 10 games never won a game i'm com- commuting up and down the the motorway thinking and it's like well i've had my time again you used to live manchester yeah I'd, I'd i'd do it all the t- i'd do it completely different mm. um so it's I, I think i said in that piece there's a, a professor of sleep came in and spoke to us and he's like well you're all on these courses to make yourself better. Whereas as a player, you're in the gym, you do this. I'm on courses, I'm, I'm going to watch other teams. And he said, we sleep for 39% of your life. Yeah. You're at work for 19% of your life. So why would you spend all this time on the 19% and not spend any focus on, on 40% of your life, which is quite important. Yeah. And then the, obviously the science behind it all, and obviously it all ties into anxiety and stress and decision-making when she, if you're tired or you're stressed and things like that so it all, it all factors in but it's it's quite well it is it's, I, I really enjoy it well, it's funny the connection that we have often is um, I'll send you a message and then a few days later I'll be on a late shift on Sky Sports News and you'll be after a game not able to sleep watching Sky Sports News I'll get a reply yeah. at midnight or something like that to a, to a message I sent you to say well done on a, on a performance or, or whatever um, but sleep it's a fascinating one how do you manage that for yourself and, and with the players as well because I know there's a great piece in The Athletic if people want to look it up about caffeine supplementation particularly with night games in football and how that can have unwitting consequences of bad night's sleep on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night or whatever it is and that cascades into the, the rest of the week's training. How do you, how you wear that personally and how you wear that with the, the players? Because presumably you don't need caffeine supplements before the game but no, it's, might um, be. I've got to be brilliant so I've never, pro- I've never struggled sleeping. That's good. So you, know, you give me 10 minutes in a washing line I can fall asleep. Yeah. Um, you obviously you get your moments where you do wake up in the night with which is the anxiety and the stress of a, a team will just pop into your head but as a general rule I'm I'm not bad at that. I'm I'm okay. Mm. Um, I think I've definitely got better with my life balance this year. Mm. Um, you know, I don't. I've realised that I don't have to be in the office all the time. I, I've given myself a bit more time in terms of I've started going to the gym in the mornings now and just trying to look after myself yeah. better. 
escapism just for a yeah because you know, I've had, had three years where it's been full tilt and it's like you know the club's going to fall apart if I don't do this and I don't do that and so I've had a couple of days off this year where I don't turn up on a Monday and get, they're still they're all still there on a Tuesday. It's not going to fall apart. I'm not that important. You have to do the school run on a Monday, do you? Is that... uh, well, it's not every Monday. I've, I've had a yeah. couple, but it's just that's one thing I've learned this year. I've, I'm definitely in a better place in terms of that this year. Mm. Um, for, for me and, and sort of like your own mental health and things, like that. and I, I think it reflects in how you are around the place as well. You're not, you don't look like you've been dragged through a hedge and you're, you're absolutely knackered. And it's like this is the last place I want to be. I, I enjoy going to work as well. Because there's pressure for everyone, isn't there? I think in, in Western society about stay at work longer, but presumably it's a point at which you sitting and worrying about, say, Cambridge United's the team tonight. It's done. There's nothing more to worry about. It's only going to be counterproductive to to overthink it. Yeah, well, I think that's probably one of my, my strengths is I don't overthink things. Mm. So we've got we've, you know we've got Cambridge tonight. You've just said to me what you've been doing. Well, I've been watching Lincoln this morning mm. because tonight's done. As in terms of, I can't really, I can give a message now before the game. But the players should know their jobs and their roles now. If they don't, then we're in trouble. Obviously, as the game's going on, tactically you can tweak a few things, but there's not a lot I can do about tonight now mm. other than a few little tweaks. So your focus just moves to, to the next game. How much time do you spend on each opponent? Do you, how much, is there a certain amount of tape you watch? Or? Uh, it depends. It, it depends on if it's midweek games. You know, Sometimes you play Saturday and you've got a game Tuesday night. Mm where you've got a debrief Saturday and prep on a Monday and the players are on a second day recovery, so it's difficult. Yeah. So that's where you hope that the structure of your team and the way you want to set up is already built in from pre-season generally. That's when you want the sort of the foundations laid. Mm. So it's it's tough that you don't get a lot of time to um you don't get a lot of time to, to prep on those sorts of things. But it's like it's interesting when you said just about um about the caffeine and the sleep and things. It's you know, that's you play on a Tuesday night the players sometimes want to get to sleep till four or five in the morning on a Wednesday. Yeah. Then they're back at work, and then we might have to go and play. So they work on a Wednesday. They'll come in on a. No, we. I. I don't get them in on a Wednesday. Mm. I think the psychological rest is more important than what like they're actually going to benefit physically from sitting in mm. a car for an hour to do a ten minute cool down to sit in an hour and go back again. So, but we we haven't. But we might have to go to Sunderland on the on the Friday. Yeah. So that travel, that you know, again, supporters wouldn't realise when they when they hear. Champions League players going, oh, they're tired. I said, like, well, they've got. A, I don't know, but they've played on a Tuesday in Eastern Europe. Yeah, they'll fly back and, well, sometimes a lot of them stay over now, but they'd fly back to a four well, or five. Frank Lampard saying he went straight to the school to pick his to drop his kids off or something. In yeah, the, in all the that, and then they get like a day's recovery, and then they got to go again. Mm. And so I don't think they're tired because they they can run ten k a couple of times yeah. a week. Yeah, but it's it's the it's the the mental tiredness of the, and the fatigue that that's what people don't see is that that's that's hard. And the emotions of at that level, yeah, the, the adrenaline, the exposure, the pressure, you know, that's all. It's it's a lot. Yeah. You know, listen, they do get they do get paid a lot of money, but quite rightly so as well. Well, I remember playing five aside at ten o'clock at night, and I was supposed to be up at four in the morning. And it was a nightmare when I was doing that, and that was just with friends, so it's not even the same the yeah. same thing. But you just get your your hormones kept going, going, don't they? Firing yeah. your adrenaline and everything like that. It's it's challenging for them to turn it around. What about music quickly? Because there was a a, a great book that that John Palmer's been overseeing to come out where all your dreams are made, which was based on an Oasis lyric. Apparently, Oasis, what's the story? Morning Glories played a a key part. Or music generally, you're talking to me about this almost like the Pavlov dog thing of resetting the mindset of the players around music um, well, they normally have a DJ before a game and it's I'll be honest it's not great it's not my it's not Mark my Ronson. scene <laughs> um, but the yeah but after, after the game it's a lot more chilled out so I, I think I'm not sure I might be Charlie Raglan or something like that and it's funny because during my playing career we did similar type things so there's a couple of songs that it takes you just to, to the dressing room yeah. You've just won a game, and obviously last year we won the league, so you won more games than you lost. So that song becomes sort of it sort of carries an importance, and, and, and that that song will go with. The, whenever they hear that song now, they remember mm. about last season. So some of the young lads must not even know who Oasis are. Though. That's the well, funny thing. Well, isn't it's it? scary. You, yeah, you're, you're working with lads now that were born in not even two thousands. I mean, like two thousand and threes and fours and things. Now we've got a sixteen year old travelling with us every day at the minute. So he's born in two thousand five. Well, five, yeah. So it's, uh, but it's it's. I think it's a powerful thing, music. Mm. And some of them don't listen. They've got their own, you know, the, the headphones or the AirPods or whatever they use now. Um, but we we put music on at half time as well. So the music always goes on before the game. You know, that's gone back to the crazy gang back in the 80s. Mm. So, but 
every club does it now and it's sort of to try and get them into their zone or whatever it becomes a routine so what we do is we right, we'll try and win don't think about the game just break run as hard as you can for the next 48 minutes and we'll see where we're at if we're 1-0 up or we're 3-0 down we'll reassess we'll rejig we'll change the team if we have to change the team we'll put the music on refocused and then start the next half well how long do you speak for at half time not long no i give them i give them about 5 minutes so I don't, the whistle blows, they all walk in the dressing room, yeah. I give them five minutes, I'm in the office with the staff saying, well, what, what do we need to, what have we seen? So Wade Elliott comes down, who sits in the back of the stand, so she's the game from a totally different perspective. Mm. So he'll have the first two minutes, because the rest of the coaching team, we've watched the same game. And do you have so, a limit on points that you can, because there's so much information I guess they can take in? We try point. and we try and limit it to three. Mm. Um, and you try and take any emotion out of it as well because sometimes you want to come in and you want to kick the door down and throw teapots and but personal comments to players either are well done or you're not doing it or whatever do you, do you leave that out of it at that no well that, that's normally so i'll sort of give an overall view of and a lot of the time you say what do you think mm. and they'll tell you exactly what we're going to tell them anyway they're not stupid um but we'll try and give three two or three points and then they'll have a few minutes but that's where the staff get in and amongst individuals then mm. Um, Rather than out them in public. I, I don't do that anyway. No, I don't do that. In, uh, so we were awful on Saturday. Um, it's the Wimbledon Cup game. Yeah, which we, sounded all right from afar, but yeah, uh, from yeah, no, I wasn't watching it. Um, <laughs> but we had a, an analysis session yesterday, and it's you know I've been I've been a player in, in an ana analysis room, and you're frightened to death. You worry all weekend about going in because you know the fact the manager's going to finger me. He's going to point mm. the thing. He's going to say I'm this, and he's going to say I'm rubbish. And I, I know that. Mm. And it's horrible getting outed. So we we don't ever use anyone's name in terms of the analysis room. It's right, well, whoever's in that position, I want them to do this. Yeah, if you made a mistake, well, it you, needs you to don't a, want to make a mistake, do you? Well, so. it, well, it, well, it just creates anxiety, which you talked about. So it's, it's you know, I'm, I famously, uh, I won't tell you who it was with, but we watched, we, had to, we, we got punished for getting beat. Yeah. We had to go in the next day and we had to watch the video back. <laughs> and at half time, the camera zooms into the centre circle and the manager made all all twenty five players sit and watch a centre circle for fifteen minutes, <laughs> which for me I just don't see how yeah. that's beneficial. How because all that's going to do is annoy players. Yeah, they're, they're not. No I one's happy that they've lost or no. Well, you can't yeah. make it. They're not. I don't think they've lost just because they lose. It's like, well, you're rubbish now. I don't like you lot anymore. It's mm. like yes, you get frustrated and things like that. But if they can lose, use it as a learning tool. Now, if we go and deliver the same performance tonight as what we did on Saturday, then that, that becomes a bit more of a concern. Mm. But the things that we showed them, we're hoping that they learn from that and go, yeah, that's that's not quite how we want it to look. And then and then improve on it rather than just being frightened and stiff and of, of not opening up and not... It takes courage and bravery to, to accept mm. criticism. And they talk amongst themselves as well. They say, well, what do you think? What do you think? And they, they have a bit of conflict that way as well, which I think is a positive environment. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds really positive in terms of the, the differences for the players. And I appreciate we're spending your time on a match day, so we'll, we'll wrap it up shortly. Um, but just the, uh, the 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 challenges upon them physically are they running more? Are they sprinting more? Mentally, are they more fatigued from the games? How does it compare to League Two? Uh, physically, it's not a lot different. Mm. Um, mentally, I don't know. That's mm. that's something that's difficult for me to put a, a scope it's on. More really. a subjective thing. I feel more tired after a game than yeah. But again, it's the results have been okay, so it's amazing how the bodies feel a little bit better when you when when you're winning. So um, five unbeaten in the league at the moment. Yeah. We've we've had a lot of injuries, which has been good because it it sh shows that we trust the group. It's not just been a case of so our success in the last two years has been based on a back five, mm. of which the three centre halves of that none of them have played this season. Yeah. So other people have had to come in and we've had to find different ways. Now we're starting to get fit, the squad starting to look a little bit healthier again. So will Ball coming back? It's he trained fully yesterday for yeah. the first time in a long time. Charlie Ragland played half an hour on Saturday for the first time in 12 or 13 weeks. So that's yeah. the fact that we've done had some really good results with six or seven key players out. Been playing three at the back still, have you? Um, well, we've had to flip to a four sometimes. Cause mm. <laughs> Has Sean Long been playing at centre-half sometimes? Is that... He's been outstanding. Yeah. Um, well, in, in any position we've asked him to play, to be honest. But yeah, we've had to change to a back four because... We've only had four defenders, so you can't play a back five with only four defenders. So it's we've had centre forwards playing yeah. at right wing. You could back coach and, Sean Long, though, could you? Because you've played centre half and full back. And um, 
I'd like to think I can coach all of them. Sweet, but, uh, but you know, but like personally, you can say to any any sort of more detailed. He, he's been maybe. he's been good. I, I feel sorry for our defenders sometimes. And I I had him in a couple of weeks ago, and it's like right, defenders stay in because because that is my thing. That's the one thing. If I don't know how to coach a defender, then I'm in trouble. Mm. So they 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 probably get it more than anyone else in our team um, in terms of that isn't good enough. I want that. That's good. That isn't good enough. But I think. I think they enjoy it. Some 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 groups wouldn't enjoy that. They think it's too much. But I think that ours ours like ours mm-hmm. like watching what we're asking them to do, and then it's positive reinforcement. Sometimes they say, "Look, look that's why that happened because you haven't done this, that, and the other." So, yeah, they they do they do get it in the neck more than any of the others. But now, Long he's been he's been magnificent. Yeah, uh, all season. That's good. Well, it's, that's that's good to hear. Um, What's the, what are the ambitions at this point then? How do you how do you look at it? Do you have any goals? And I said you always keep them quiet if you if you do. Well, I think the first one is hit your first target, which is stay up. Because mm. people keep asking me now at the minute, oh, do you reassess your goals and things? Like, we well, you don't reassess your goals, so you've hit your first marker. Mm. Your first marker is stay in the league. That you know we it's come out last week that we've got the we've got the second smallest budget in the league. Yeah, it wasn't um, Morecambe had the smallest though, was it? it was someone no. Um, Crew got the smallest, yeah. Um, but they have a lot of under twenty-one players, which aren't factored into that as well. So there's a good chance we would have the smallest budget. Um, but it's don't reassess too soon. You know, we know where we are in the food chain. So once we get fifty, fifty-two points, if we get fifty, fifty-two mm-hmm. points, then you might reassess where you are. So if you if you get to fifty-two points with ten games to go, you go right. Can we hit this? Um, and history matters as well, doesn't it? It'd be significant to beat the seventeenth. Place. Yeah, well, that's probably the next one after that. Mm. Um, but again, I'm, I'm always wary of looking too far down the line. It's it's just the way I work, it's the, it's, and it's genuinely what I believe as well. It's not me because I'm speaking to you. We're not going to turn the microphones off and I go, "Well, really, I want to get this." <laughs> no, no, no. It's, no, it's true. It's it's yeah, you're it's, very candid. You're very it, candid. It's hit that marker, right? Then reassess. Right, then when, where can we go? We might do it with 15 games to go. Yeah. Well, then you do reassess where where we're at. But yeah, you look look. We're, we're not even halfway in the league. 27 points so you could say we're halfway points wise hmm. so you could be ahead of the curve but we've got a really tough run coming up and we went five or six without a win earlier in the season because some of the teams Cambridge tonight have just played four of the top six on the spin hmm. so people go well they've not won in four I'm like yeah but the four teams yeah, they've played relative. aren't bad that's a problem with management isn't it people judge you and then you think often new managers come in when the when the run eases so there's a bounce yes yeah. and, yeah. and, and you, know, you, got, you look at well, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie House has gone in at Newcastle and the night. They're analysing whether he's made an improvement. He's been there two weeks. <laughs> Most and, of it in a hotel and, room. <laughs> and, yeah, well, and, the, and the debt and, and the detail of the and the stats and the analysis, it's it's enormous. Oh, well, he's, they're, you know they're they're winning the ball one point three percent more times in the yeah. top third, and it's like you, you need time. You do need time. It's it's the age old thing. It'll never change for football because yeah. managers will always say you need time. Supporters want success yesterday. And one thing our supporters have been brilliant at is, I think they've appreciated that the last, the run of the last three and a half years, the work that's been put in mm. by the players and and the board need to take credit as well and the supporters because a lot a lot of them put their hand in the pocket during the pandemic when mm. it was behind closed doors, and gave up their season ticket money when it was a real difficult time. So the fact that the club has really come together, and it's it's good that you can almost in, give them the, the the league title last year and go well, there you go. Mm. There's there's a bit of a, a reward now. Let's crack on again. Do you, you to quickly? John Palmer says you've been scoring more goals and conceding more goals. Has that been anything tactically that you've done differently? Be more attacking or no? How the outcome? The, well, it's funny. We, you plan a season, and because our success in the last couple of years has been based on the defensive record, we mm. thought we thought we might struggle for goals. Mm. But the one thing that we've done uh, we've done really well is we've scored loads of goals. Alfie May seems like he's in the prime of his career, is he, at the moment? Yeah, Alfie's been another one who's been really grown as a person and a player this year. Um, you know, he, he scored nine already this year. I think he was top goal scorer last year with nine goals in the league. Mm. Um, so he's taken it on. But the main focus in the summer in terms of recruitment was the top end of the pitch. Like I said, we've had three centre-halves. Well, we sold one, which we weren't expected to sell. And two of the other key players have been injured pretty much all season, so that might have something to do with it. It might not. We'll wait mm. and see. But that's—I don't want to put a slant on any of the other players because all of them that have come in have been absolutely brilliant. Thursday afternoon, 
Thursday afternoon, we went through the team. You're allowed nine subs in the FA Cup. Thursday afternoon, we had four, mm. of which one was a 16-year-old and one was Charlie Raglan, who'd been... Um, Out for three months. Exactly that. Now, we managed to patch a few up. Mm. But all of a sudden, it's how quickly it can change in football. Um, we trained yesterday and all of a sudden, there's, there's a load back all on the same day. So it's... it's um, <laughs> how about... It, it's hard to put a, yeah. an answer to the question. I don't know. It you got, drives me mad because, like I said, the, 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 the conceding goals thing, I take that personally. <laughs> so that's, that, that's probably why the defenders have been in more. Than yeah. They, Hopefully you can tighten that more easily, like you say, than you can. Scoring goals is the hardest thing to do in football, they say. so. Yeah. So if you're going to have a problem, you'd rather that way yeah. around than the other way around because it is hard to score goals. You've got players coming back as well. Finally, you're going to enjoy Christmas or you've got big games, haven't you? I know Oxford. The A40 derby got Plymouth as well. Your wife Jess, so I understand, is telling you to stay present even when you're at home. You have to yeah, have no, to focus it, on the, the the openings of the stockings and stuff and not drift off. It's um, yeah, it's it's obviously it's just slightly different as a as a manager who can play. You know, you can have a glass of wine on Christmas Day and things like that. <laughs> it's true. You, you, you do get used to it. It's part of the job. Um, you work you work over Christmas. Yeah. So I don't think people go. Oh, it's really it's, it's all I've ever known. So you know, I've had. I've stayed in hotels quite often on Christmas days. I've had a lot of New Year's Eves when I'm in hotels. I'm in bed at 11 o'clock. So mm. it's just work time. Yeah. And the run that we've got coming up, as you say, is a really, really difficult run. So it's um, yeah, all, all hands to the pump. Yeah, I could, well, I could empathise with the, uh, the busy time of year because one of my friends said to me, we'll, we'll meet up for a coffee when, once you break up from your work for Christmas. I was like, I don't break up. I'm working Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. It's like, yeah. that's just, you know, that's, but that's covering sport. You're in sport. It's, that's the reality of it. But it's a, you are slightly out of tune with other people, which is... Uh, that yeah, time of year it becomes more acute yeah it's, it's difficult I'm lucky that I'm living in the town hmm. that I'm f from yeah you know, like, so you can meet people yeah you know again you sort of talk, well, just talk about Steve Cottrell's based in based in Bristol but he's working in Shrewsbury Dykes is based in Northampton still living in Burnley oh, so it's yeah. he's been doing that for nine years so it's I, I do feel privileged in terms that I'm I'm currently managing my local team Mm. Where my, all my family are, where the kids are, so you know it's ten minutes to the training ground and back. It won't always be like this, <laughs> so I am appreciative of but that. It's quite a shrewd place, isn't it, geographically? Because you are relatively close to most places, and unless it becomes a, a Newcastle or a Middlesbrough job or something. Yeah, but again, going back right back to the start of the interview, it's, I don't overthink it too much. It's like I'm, I'm happy where I am. Um, it's going all right at the minute, so I've just got to keep keep cracking on. Mate, appreciate your time. Thank you, Michael. No worries, mate. Well, big thank you to Michael Duff for his time there. And I think just the consistency, the equilibrium of emotion with uh, with Michael Duff is fascinating, isn't it? His approach. I really enjoyed that cameo in terms of the topics we're talking about when people come off the pitch, the field as a substitute and how he declines to, to interact with them at that point because the emotion is running high, not to cause a scene in front of supporters and the media. I found that really interesting intelligent actually and I think a lot of what he's doing there is trying to keep everyone feeling similarly consistently treated by him and a consistent relationship with him and the players so I, th I think it's fascinating and I think the idea of the music as a reset sort of Pavlov Pavlovian signal if you like um, look up Pavlov dogs I'm sure you're across that we studied it at school didn't we in terms of um, a, a signal and a trigger and getting players present once they go out to the pitch forgetting the, the first half starting anew in the second and perhaps that's been indicative you can ch chart that through Cheltenham's results that maybe had a bad first half that actually recovered in the second so it's interesting really fascinating and I'm uh, sorry if I jinxed it and, and Jason Briggs and I recording that bang off some Cheltenham and then the team went and lost 5-0 to Cambridge but bounce back against Lincoln at the weekend. I think led 1-0, ultimately uh, pegged back to a two-all draw. But nonetheless, uh, it's, that's the, the signature, actually. If you look at the results of Cheltenham Town in Michael Duff's tenure, it seems to be that because of that clarity, treating each game as a distinct event, resetting, it feels like there's not too much momentum in terms of that negative slide that sometimes you can see around clubs that seems very hard to get away from in sport. And you'd argue probably... Maybe we'd argue in our lives when things start to, to, to come unpicked 
it can it can feel like a kind of cascade of, of negative consequences can't it but really enjoyed that thank you to uh, michael thank you to jason for, for having us at the store there in the courtyard in montpellier Bagnolfson of Cheltenham and Serena V are the sponsors of the podcast and they're specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. A couple of pictures, I think, on their social media as well this week. Check out BO underscore Cheltenham of myself and Michael and Jason Briggs makes a cameo appearance in those photographs as well. Beautiful store there. Uh, check it out. And if you are looking to optimize your immunity and not to... Uh, to complicate any argument over vaccines etc not certainly something that I, I would ever get involved in but i think also um have been dismayed as the health professionals have on the podcast nearly two years into the pandemic not enough conversation brief skirmishes of conversation around holistic health about exercise sleep and uh, body mass index obesity being a key issue but i think we do have to to optimize our immunity in or out of a pandemic and there are things we can do to, to make strides in our life, lots of them, and hopefully we cover those in the podcast and hope to do another uh, read to a sleep focus, actually, with a, with a sleep expert at some point. But certainly in terms of supplementation, under the stewardship of my father, Dr. Mark Draper, who is a general practitioner and a micronutritionist here in the Cotswolds in the heart of England, you can um, get a discount for his work at Cytoplan. The discount code at cytoplan.co.uk, that is C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N, .co.uk. I think cyto means cell in ancient Greek. Um, not that the ent- etymology is particularly significant, but we take the taking the supplements for 20 years. And if you go to cytoplan.co.uk, the discount code is Draper10R. Hope next week to have fitness expert Ross Mitchell talking about habit change, talking about living with stress in your life, realistic exercise programs to match whether you've got an intense work schedule whether you haven't got much sleep because you do shift work, whether you've got babies at home, just a pragmatic approach to, to still moving, still focusing on that that holistic health. So Ross Mitchell, hopefully coming up next week. But thank you for listening, guys. Appreciate it. If you could pass on to a friend, rate it on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on, spread the word, be really appreciated. Appreciate your support. And we have been uh, nominated in the Cannabist awards for the 2021 health podcast of the year cannabis is a magazine initially conceived to 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 sort of focus on the health medicinal benefits of of cannabis but i think since then has spread into to wider well-being in this podcast in large part is connected to sport and life and understanding the metaphors of sport but increasingly with my background in sports science as well as being a journalist and my interest in fitness and health has uh, veered that way but thank you for listening appreciate it have a fantastic week